Hey friend, welcome to the Hidden Jewels podcast. Do you ever think if I just follow all the rules, everything will turn out how I want? Like two plus two will always equal four. I know that has often been my default to put hope in doing everything quote right. Today we will hear a story of how hope has been found in the surrender when the formula doesn't equal what you thought it would. Let's get to it. I have just had a sweet little few moments to get to know the beautiful Judy Stringer. And Judy, we're just so glad you're here today to share with us what the Lord has been doing in your life. And um, I'm just anticipating such um, timely words for uh, the women that will be listening. Um, So Judy, welcome. And um, now you are a friend of Roxanne's and we were just chatting about how you know each other. I'll introduce Judy because I love yeah. her and I have been yearning for her to be with us on this because certain people inspire you in life. And Judy so faithfully, not only is she a good friend of a good friend, but she so faithfully serves young moms in her church to encourage through the MOPS program. And she had been aware uh, through this friend that I, I love speaking into the hearts of others. So she invited me. I got hooked. Hopefully she got hooked and she keeps inviting me back. <laughs> well, I speak at the MOPS group at their church um, on a regular basis. Uh, and I'm delighted to do so. And that's how that happened. And then recently, Judy extended an invitation to me to be a part of a, a women's group that she's involved to, that they do prayer together. They do Bible studies together. They do luncheons together. And she said, Roxanne, would you like to step into this group and because i'm a little older and wiser and the seasons have happened this is just a group of old sages <laughs> and i guess old wise women not not well anyway i love it so thank you for inviting me into that group judy and i've been attending that for several months now so that's how judy and i know each other so welcome judy i'm glad you're here thank you so much roxanne and Karna. it's so nice to meet you Yes. And I'm, wow. I'm honored to be asked um, to be a part of this podcast and um, just look forward to our conversation. Yeah. Judy, why don't you just, uh, we like to just kind of start with, you know, your younger life and, and how the Lord drew you to himself. Okay. I love to tell this story. Yeah. Um, I was raised in a home that was a church going home but not a Christ-centered home. My parents did not know the Lord. Um, my, my father was um, worked for an oil company, so we traveled around quite a bit. Mm. And he, I believe, was a functional alcoholic, um, had real anger issues. And... Um, so I'd say it was it was a difficult childhood. I had a good mom. Um, I love my mom, but she she was in a lot of ways kind of a single mom. Uh, our dad was he traveled a good portion of the time, and and when he was home, um, it was just there was a lot of conflict. Yeah. I had one younger sister, six years younger, and. Um, as I grew up, I started school really early at four kindergarten at four. And, um, 
so I kind of struggled in school um, socially because I was always the youngest one in my class. Mm-hmm. Somebody had told my mom I'd be bored if she waited until I was regular age to start school. Um, so I think with my home situation and um, and being insecure, I think as a result of that, I struggled in school. Mm-hmm. And um, so then when I got to be um, finished seventh grade, God used my dad to really to bring me to the Lord. It's a really cool story. I'll have to tell a little bit about that. Yeah. But my dad had been, my dad had been a counselor at a Christian camp. Well, I don't, it was a camp, um, that I think it was, you know, it was kind of a Christian camp. His, his track coach had started the camp and, um, in high school and taken some of the guys up there to be counselors. And it was a boys camp. Well, then my dad, when I finished seventh grade, uh, heard that they had opened a girls camp and he wanted me to go there. Mm. And, um, so it. some of you all might be familiar with it. It's now called Canicuck. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I started going to Canicuck in the summer. It was called Canicomo then for the girls. And that was the first place that I ever heard that it was possible to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. And um, it took me a few years for that to really sink in. Mm. Um, But I think about the third year there, it did. And I remember hearing a speaker at camp talk about Jesus being their best friend. And I was kind of lonely at that point in my life, it just, like I said, it was, it was hard for me in school and, um, and my home situation was, was hard. And, and so I think God used that to help me to see, I needed, I wanted that. I wanted Jesus to be my best friend. Yeah. And so that really began my spiritual journey. Mm. Uh, It was after my sophomore year in high school And I really didn't grow very much um, the rest of my time in high school, but there was, I just had a, I think a hunger um, to know, to know God. And so then God directed me. um, I wanted to go to some small private school in the Northeast, but God directed me to the University of Texas. We were living in Houston at the time. Yeah. Um, hook them horns. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer sooner. <laughs> I thought I might get a reaction out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like OU too, but my parents <laughs> both went to OU. They're both from Oklahoma. Um, oh, wow. But in-state tuition and it was but I I, the things I God just directed me there I mean it was I didn't want to go to a huge school it was a huge school Mm. um but at the last minute I decided to go there and um I was a gymnast I I I was a dancer and a gymnast and um so I that was one thing I wanted to do in college was um be on a gymnastics team oh wow so um 
decided to go there. I joined, I walked on to the team and, um, my freshman year, my RA in my dorm was a very godly young lady mm-hmm. that had a Bible study and that I joined, um, started growing in my faith. And then a couple of the waiters at our dorm, um, invited me and one of my friends to come to um, Campus Crusade, which is now called Crew, mm-hmm. and um, really started growing in my faith, being discipled. Um, mm-hmm. It was a wonderful four years. During that time, my mother also came to Christ. Oh, wow. And um, she really took off spiritually too. So Mm -hmm. that was really exciting. Yeah. And after that, I got a job and actually ended up coming back to Oklahoma. I was born in Oklahoma, but only lived in Oklahoma my first two years. Um, Went left the state when I was two, came back when I was um, 18, lived in Tulsa, For three years, I got a degree in geology. I was in the oil business like Roxanne. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so I worked for about three years in Tulsa. Then I took a kind of a sabbatical and went to Europe for six months. I went on a a mission trip behind the Iron Curtain, uh, traveled all over Europe. Uh, I have some relatives in Denmark I got got to stay with and... And went to um, Swiss Labrie, um, a Christian retreat and study center in, in, in Switzerland. And then I came back. I got another job and I thought it was going to be in Tulsa. They ended up moving me here to Oklahoma City. The first Sunday I was here, uh, I went to a church that I'd heard that was good. And I met my husband in the singles class. Oh, wow. Woo-hoo! Yay. <laughs> That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was just God guiding me all the way. And he actually was from Atlanta. He came here with the oil business as well. Um, he's a, also a geologist, but he told me that he would have asked me out had I not been a geologist. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but we did have that in common. Uh-huh. Oh, did, he, did he not want to ask you out because you were a geologist or it didn't matter? No, no he said, even if I hadn't been, oh. he would have still asked me out. Oh, okay. So uh, we got married a little over a year later. Um, and then we, um, the oil business was, and that next year was having one of their dips. Mm. And like 80, <laughs> we got married in 82. That was 83. We both lost our jobs. Mm. Um, so that was a, that was a challenging time, mm. but it was, it was a good time because we learned to live on little <laughs> Yeah, and we also learned that um, that God provided for us. We've gone, we went through that about five different times during our married life. I think Roxanne's had a few of those 
herself (laughs) with her husband, who's also a geologist. Mm -hmm. And uh, looking back, I mean, some of those times I think, how did we make it? You know, I I just, um, on paper, it really, really, it's, it's really hard to figure that out, but God did provide for us. Well, and you know, Judy, I do have that industry in common with you because I'm a geologist and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm an engineer. And uh, I will tell you in the leanest times in my life, I want to reiterate what you just said. We learned to live on little Mm -hmm. and we learned that God is the provider. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he's multiplying the fish and loaves, Mm -hmm. but at some point you and I didn't starve and we made it through Mm -hmm. and he provided everything. I think we think we need so much, but really mm-hmm. we actually need, need, need so little. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I love um, when you said we mm-hmm. learn to live on little. I don't, I mean, the birds of the air yes. don't need a lot, but they do need a little. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. in our world, you're just reminding me the difference between wants and needs. Yes. Mm-hmm. And right. what he did provide what you needed and what mm-hmm. I needed and mm-hmm. always has, always will. Yes. Yes. I think of a circumstance when, um, when our, our boys were little and it was another one of those times, um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, um, we, we did have two children and, um, and I ended up staying at home as, um, I, I worked, I did work at scope ministry for a few years as a, um, a counselor there. And then I became pregnant with our first child. And um, then I went part-time. And then as when I had my second child, our second child, I stayed home full-time. But there was a time when our kids were little and we were down to one car. Our cars continued to break down all the time. (laughs) And the one car that was functioning was a truck that had, you know, just a front seat. And we were all kind of piled in there, kind of felt like the Beverly Hillbillies or something. And, and um, our other car needed an expensive repair. Just a, maybe a couple of friends knew about our situation, but we were leaving church one day and we saw an envelope that had been stuck in the windshield. But I mean, we were, we had already left. We were partway home. What is that? We stopped and, and took it out. But the repair was $500 and there was a five, there was $500 in that envelope. We still don't know who gave that money, but yeah. Yeah. That, that was just the story and the example of, of God's provision. I love that. I'm going to put down the surprise $500. envelope. (laughs) Wow. That's not, that's not Mm. a little thing. That's feeling very seen. Yes. Yes. I think, um, maybe I'm just going to speak for myself here, but I think we, it's so good to hear those kind of stories. Um, because how quickly we forget in the daily, uh, fears that assault us, especially about finances. I mean, I don't know about other women listening, but that's one of my greatest areas where I struggle with not trusting the Lord. And, Mm -hmm. um, if not the greatest area, like it is Mm -hmm. one of my struggles. So it's always good for my heart to be reminded when I hear stories of that, of God's 
Um, and they're in my own life too, but you know, we just forget in the moment. So, um, but just yes. to hear yes. God's mm-hmm. faithfulness. Okay, Judy, I know you're going on, but I've got to hear one more thing. I want to know if you could just share with us one of your favorite memories from the trip behind the Iron Curtain. Okay. <laughs> what? How long was that trip and what's one of your greatest take homes? Oh, wow. Well, that was, it was two months and um, it really turned out to be not what I thought it was going to be. There, there were, um, I was with a team of two other people, a guy and a girl, and we were sent out to try to find, we were in Yugoslavia, which is now a bunch of countries, mm. um, Croatia, Serbia, um, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Slovenia, all those, but now it was just Yugoslavia then. And it was actually one of the freer countries, but um, we were sent to try to to share the gospel, but also to, to find Christians, to make contacts with other Christians um, that this ministry could maybe partner with. And um, so anyway, we, we kind of joke sometimes that we were like, follow that nun. or you know, But we did, we did meet some really, I mean, in, in different, I mean, Catholic church and Baptist, different, you know, uh, really, really encouraging, inspiring people who were living their faith um, in difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I went back and I was in Romania and Hungary very briefly um, they were a lot more restricted mm-hmm. than Yugoslavia. Um, and I just remember, especially in Romania, I was, had met, I went by myself basically, and I was meeting up with a couple of, of Camps Crusade staff members there. We had to walk, you know, we would walk down the street. There was just an oppression. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. There was just such an oppression and we would walk along and could not even talk to one another. So no one would know that, you know, we were Americans or, you know, um, so yeah, it was, it was a really, um, hard, impactful time. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard. Um, but it was encouraging too to see people living their faith out in, you know, in places where they didn't have much freedom or hardly any freedom to do so. Mm. What a gift so, of perspective as mm-hmm. we have so much freedom, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And it it just gives me a heart for people around the world that um so many countries there are so many countries around the world and it's just easy to lose sight of that yeah where I I know that you've Roxanne you've just been in one that is um where it's a struggle and Mm -hmm. it taught me a ton of perspective too Mm -hmm. 
So uh, having a grateful heart for being in America, even though America is perfectly imperfect, is yes. key. So yes. I'm so we're at your two kids. You're just retiring yes. from your part-time ministry at Scope Ministry. Mm-hmm. I want to back up just a little bit to when I had my first child because um that was a difficult time for me. I um he was colicky, probably woke up two to three times a night for six months. And at that time I'd only been really been in the city for a couple of years, maybe, well, I guess it's been three or four, but I, um, I didn't know any other stay at home moms. I had this baby that cried a lot. Uh, I didn't have family around and, um, it was just a very difficult time. And I, I think I have what now I I've heard, like people would say, talk about postpartum depression. Yeah. And I always kind of thought, well, I'm not really depressed, um, <laughs> but I'm anxious. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And now I hear I hear people talk about postpartum anxiety, you know, that that is a common thing, too. But back then, you know, I thought, what is this? You know, but um, and I was, you know, I just felt kind of isolated and um, that the Lord led me to a ministry that was just starting in the city called Mops, Mothers of Preschoolers. And I reached out to someone who was starting a group and she, mm-hmm. she asked me, I said, I'm interested in joining this group. And she goes, yes, would you like to be on the steering committee? So um, I said, sure. And uh, so that was my first um, experience with Mops and it was a lifeline for me. Um, I got to know so many other moms who were um, staying at home with their young children. They were in um, the same season of life and really got connected with mm-hmm. other women. And um, so that's kind of how I met, you know, have connected with Roxanne too in these later years but what what I want to reiterate that you just said is the very thing that was hard your postpartum depression Mm -hmm. is what led you to one of the greatest ministries of your life yes uh, you Mm -hmm. you went to be ministered to and now you're Mm -hmm. ministering and Mm -hmm. just to remind myself in your life and Mm -hmm. and our listeners that very often your your greatest pain burrs a lot of purpose or your what do they say yes. your, your misery mm-hmm. it was kind of miserable burrs yes. a ministry yes mm-hmm. and judy that's a huge story about mm-hmm. how god used a hard time to get you involved mm-hmm. in a very pur- purpose filled ministry good thing and that's yes. how we met. and that's how we met right and i just it gave me a heart i needed connection and that is one of my main um, heart's desires, I think, is to connect women. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that started my journey with MOPS. And then I ended up um, homeschooling my children. Um, it was just kind of one of those things that my son's like preschool teacher said, I don't think he's quite ready to go to school yet developmentally. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'll just homeschool him for one year. And Mm -hmm. then one year, let's (laughs) two, three, four. 
And so I, my oldest son, um, I homeschooled all the way through. And uh, our younger son um, homeschooled through seventh grade. And then he, he went to a, a Christian school to finish out his, his education, his high school education. Yeah. So that was, you know, a lot of my um, time and, and life was, was committed to that mm-hmm. uh, during those years. And then um, after they graduated, and there was a couple of years, maybe one year. <laughs> and um, then my mother, who lived, I want to say, too, that my dad did come to know the Lord before he died. I, oh. um, God had given me just an assurance about that. And he did right before he died. He trusted the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm just confident that he he's in heaven with Jesus right now. And that was when he was 70. Well, my mom did great for 12 years. And then when she was 82, she became kind of suddenly and severely depressed. She was living in Houston still at that time. And over a period of um, months, it became evident, even though I had a sister that was closer about 45 minutes away she had a younger family and it it just became um evident that I needed to move my mom to Oklahoma City Mm. and so that kind of started a new journey yeah um that was oh 12 years ago wow okay and uh, she'll be 95 oh wow is she November. still alive? She is. She is. So your mom, does she live with you or just in the city? She just, she lives about um, five minutes away. Oh, beautiful. Um, she's in the assisted living. She was with us for a while. And um, now she's, she's at a, you know, an, an assisted living, a good one. That's, that's really close and convenient. So I, I see her several times a week, except, um, since I've had this, I haven't been able to go anywhere, but I've had a little ear surgery that has turned into be more major than I had initially thought it would be. But, um, so yeah, I'm that just kind of, I guess that kind of catches that. And then I started back with the mops ministry about probably about 12 or so years ago. We have, um, two groups that meet at our church, two groups of women on alternating weeks. And, um, I love, I love spending time with, um, those young women and, and encouraging them and they encourage me. Mm. Um, I've started a new, a new journey, um, recently is, um, teaching ESL at our church. And, um, I've really enjoyed that as well. Um, I love international. So that's, <laughs> that's really fun. Been fun for me. Yeah. So and I've, we've been married to my husband 40 years now. Oh, wow. So two sons, mm-hmm. right. And how old are they now? Um, they are 32 and 36. The younger one um, lives here and, and he has married and has two 
um, children. Two, uh, we've got two precious grandchildren. They're two and three. What a joy. Yes. And then our older son is in New York City. Oh, wow. So uh, he's still single. So if anybody uh, has any any daughter that lives in New York City that's <laughs> <laughs> single. <laughs> and it, it needs to be a girl in New York City that's from Oklahoma so that someday yeah. they'll come back yes. home. To mama. <laughs> that would be perfect. No, I get that. I get that. I have a single mm. son who's 33 in California. And I would just love him to meet a Oklahoma girl in California. Mm-hmm. So someday he'll come back home. <laughs> yes. yes. So, so we're talking about the mother's heart for the children. Mm-hmm. And I know Judy, mm-hmm. you and I have gone through some, some things that, you know, I think mm-hmm. mothers as mothers and especially homeschooling mothers, we just, mm-hmm. we think we're going to raise our children to not be sinners and we're going to mm-hmm. homeschool the sin out of them. And mm-hmm. they're going to grow up and be every bit a, everything we want and I found that that wasn't true in my family so exciting to know it's not true in other families <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that is I, I I you know I think coming from the families that my husband and I did he, he had a lot of dysfunction in his family as well um not the alcohol but um you know just both of our fathers were kind of abusive and and so um you know we were gonna we were gonna do everything right like um kind of like we talked about before just Mm -hmm. you know we we were so excited to just start this new uh family built with Christ as the center and teaching our children to love him and they could kind of stand on our shoulders and um and then we hit teenage years and there were some challenges our uh one of our sons was really challenging um i don't think he would mind me telling you this but the one that that we uh homeschooled all the way through during high school he was pretty difficult and he did not want to do his schoolwork. <laughs> and um, you probably can relate to that. But it oh, was, just so you'll know, I coach yeah. a lot of women. And if any homeschool mom is listening to this, or really probably <laughs> most, I'm telling you, those teenage boys have mm-hmm. a lot better going on in their hormonal development than doing school. Yes. And it just drove me yes. nuts. I felt like, man, you have so right. much potential and you're wasting it and not yes. doing school. Yes. So, Judy, I'm with yes. you. And I think <laughs> you and I are really speaking the language of a lot of women who, yes. their son, mm-hmm. it could be anybody, but certainly mm-hmm. sons. Mm-hmm. They just seem to not care about education, I guess, because there's yes. other things to care about. Yes. And yes. therefore, they perform way below their potential. But I'm here to tell you, and mm-hmm. I know you know, mm-hmm. they come out of that mm-hmm. apathy. Uh, they mm-hmm. may go roaming around still, but yeah, that's yeah. pretty common in. Right, right. So that that was a hard season. And I think I did feel alone during that season because of my own expectations. Sure. And I felt like, you know, everybody else's kids were doing 
well. And so I think I was, I was afraid probably to be that open and vulnerable about what was going on because, you know, just fear about being Mm -hmm. judged. And I think my identity was so wrapped up in my kids um, that, you know, I felt like a failure because um, my kids were not, you know, spiritually where I thought they should be. And um, Mm. so that was kind of a a little bit of, I would say a lonely time too, Mm. until I finally, I don't know how I, how I finally got out of that, but I did. (laughs) I think I finally Mm -hmm. got past that, Mm -hmm. Um, that feeling that I, you know, that it was, it was my fault or that there was, you know, I just felt, um, I felt like a failure. And then I think God taught me that he didn't call me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. Mm. Giant. We're writing and, that down. That's why yeah. there was silence there. <laughs> That's okay. No, and I believe, you know, I made mistakes. I did. I mean, there's things that I would go back and do differently. Um, I think I would, you know, just be more relaxed, more accepting of where my kids were at. Um, But I feel that I was faithful. And what God had called me to, has called me to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one thing I learned when, you know, I always prayed for my kids. But if you see them kind of going off and I mean, that really motivates you to pray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> to a different intensity. So what I learned, what I've learned with you is that when our children are busy trying to figure out life in a different way than we might want them to be figuring it out, that's a beautiful call to greater prayer. And that's never a bad thing. Right. And I want you to know, Judy, I learned the same thing of um, teenage sons not wanting to do their schoolwork, uh, mm-hmm. teenage human beings wanting to uh, figure out their hormonal, uh, young adulting, growing up world. I mm-hmm. learned that. And then it took me to prayer and intimacy with the Lord in a way mm-hmm. that I never want to go back and be the woman before. Right, right. And I know that you have a sweet mm-hmm. spirit before the Lord, and I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was birthed out of these hardships or what, but that sweet, mm-hmm. uh, you said, moms, you just need to relax. I, I would have relaxed more. Mm-hmm. And then in so many words, you said, I, I probably would have given more grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yes. I, and I, would, uh, I wouldn't have overreacted so much. Pardon me? Over, overreacted so much, you know, gotten bent out of shape. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I heard that that little um, saying, flexible people don't get bent out of shape. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah. I think that's a, one I of those things that when you have, well, since I have six kids, I parent my first kid a whole lot different than, you know, my youngest yes. and my yes. older kids get a little annoyed that we mm-hmm. don't, we don't die on the same Hills as we did yeah, yeah. with our, with our older ones, you know, we right. relax. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so how, how did that go with, uh, with difficulty being a mom and just mm-hmm. continue sharing that? Okay. Um, well, I, I, I wanted to share also, um, about one of our children who ended up as a young adult struggling with addiction. Um, that was something that I never expected, even though it's in my family um, quite a bit. Um, that has been a, a very difficult journey, and um, we're not completely on the other side of that journey now. Yeah, but, um, God has taught me a lot through it. Mm. Um, he has taught me a lot of, um, compassion, Mm. compassion for my child that struggles with, with this. It's very difficult. Compassion for others. Yeah. Who are struggling with this. Mm. And it has taught me a lot about surrender. Mm. Um, Surrender is the path to peace. Mm. Writing it down. I am too. Mm. Which leads to freedom. Yes. Yes. So when and you say surrender, are you like surrendering your child? Is that surrendering I mean? my child, um, surrendering myself, mm. really su- just learning to surrender everything. Um, there's a, a little app that I wanted to maybe give a, a plug for, and it's called the one minute pause. Mm. It's by John Eldridge and you can get it on your phone. And it's just a good reminder to me. I think you get a little uh, notification about twice a day and you can just, you can listen to this little one minute prayer of surrender or, and I don't always do that. I'll just, I'll just, I hear the ding and I say, Lord, basically what it says is Lord, I give everything and everyone to you. And I try to do that in the morning and just pray through surrendering those things that are um, anxieties for me, anything that I'm, that's on my heart that I'm concerned about, I will name it and say, Lord, I give that to you. I give, you know, I give my, I name my family members my children, my sons, my husband, my husband, um, also has had a lot of health issues through the years and, and I do as well. I've got lupus, um, give that to the Lord. Um, I give my mom to the Lord. I give, um, my ministries to the Lord. 
and just anything that's on my heart. Um, I'd say some things that help. That is one thing that helps me. And also I have a God box. I don't know if any of you're familiar with, with that. That is so weird. I did a video on God box last month and I literally, I got to talk to Karna about the God box. Judy's got to know about the God box. You know about the God box. Okay. Give the summary. summary. It's a great. Okay. Okay. Well, I just have a really pretty box and it's just a tangible way. I think of really giving things over to the Lord, just Get a little sheet of paper. Do you have yours in there? <laughs> I was looking for my God box. I was like, where's my God box? Um, mm-hmm. You just write down whatever it is that is you're having trouble maybe giving over to the Lord. Just write it out and and just physically take it and put it in that box and close the lid. It's yours, mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really helps me also journaling, journaling really helps me, um, giving with that surrender and just giving everything to the Lord and and just having that intimate, intimate relationship with him. For me, sometimes when I'm just praying, um, I don't know, there's some, there's something about putting it on paper. Yeah. And I can just be so honest with, with my feelings, with where I am. I'm just like David did in the Psalms. I mean, he was just so honest with God, mm-hmm. uh, with his emotions. And I mean, I, I'm, you know, I can say if I'm mad, I don't think that's fair. I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, um, yeah. I I call call it unedited journaling. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. and I had a a journal that I call my throwaway journal. And so I can write anything. I mean, I could be mad at my husband, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, he's very sweet, but you know, sometimes occasionally I get mad at him and I can, I can just write out anything in this notebook and then I can tear it up tear it into little pieces and throw it away. I don't do that quite as much as I used to, but at one period of time, it just gave me freedom. It just, I just felt freedom to write anything um, in that notebook and know that no one was going to, no one was going to read it. I could write names. I could write whatever. And then I just immediately just tear out the page yeah. Throw it away. So I think, I think there's yeah. something really um, tangible about that because I think the danger of not getting things out, whether it be with a trusted counselor or journaling, um, you know, and getting it in that tangible way out. Um, the danger is that these things roll around in our head and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes. And um, mm-hmm. And so I love those tangible options of putting things in the God box. Mm -hmm. And um, I just had this experience recently. I said something out loud to a trusted friend that um, I hadn't said out loud. And once I got it out, it felt, you know, awful having to say it and Mm -hmm. um, something that I've been really wrestling with in my mind. And, um, but once I got it out, I was like, huh it's not that bad. Like, you know, it it releases it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so helpful. So helpful. 
And another thing that's really helped me that I wanted to share is the power of Thanksgiving. Hmm. Um, the power of Thanksgiving, giving yeah. thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I've learned in recent years. And um, I have a Thanksgiving journal. Uh, I try to write down five things, at least five things a day that I'm thankful for. Um, and And what I've learned is that when I give thanks, not only for the the happy things, the the things I like, um, but also say thank you for the things that I don't like and the things that are hard. It transforms my perspective about those things mm-hmm. and helps me to see that um, God is working them for good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Unbelievable. I, I, I was going to ask you if there's anything else you wanted to say, but the last three things you've said are, are for you, you. You said, give your burdens to God, consider a God box, mm-hmm. get it out of you through journaling and, mm-hmm. and record Thanksgiving. Th- those are just so good. Mm-hmm. So if if we gave you a last word and you wanted to tell your 20-something mm-hmm. self something and you could do life all over again from a young mm-hmm. age and some older, wiser woman named Judy would tell you a nugget that you may not have said yet, what would that mm-hmm. nugget be that you might want to mm-hmm. leave the listener with that you just haven't quite gotten out? Or what, what would you say to a young uh, generational mm-hmm. person today that you, you've mm-hmm. learned ac- across the course of life? Well, I think I might go back to find your identity in Christ, not in your children or your activities or your appearance or your health or your home or your finances or your accomplishments. You are precious in God's sight. You're greatly loved. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. It is a simple truth we've heard many times. And yet I find I need to be reminded that God really loves me every day. And it isn't dependent on what I do. I am just his beloved daughter and my identity is rooted in that. Thanks for listening today. To leave a review and subscribe to the podcast, that would be awesome. And for more info, make sure you check out the show notes. And remember, you are a precious jewel in the eyes of Jesus. Your story matters. Let the world see you so they may see him. Mm